Good morning, good morning, and happy Easter to all of you. So good to be in the house of God this morning, and so good to see each and every one of you. You look beautiful, and I'm glad that we've had this opportunity to worship together this morning. As you recall, last year we did not have an opportunity to assemble together, but uh, today we do, and I'm very grateful and thankful for that, aren't you? Very grateful and thankful for that. And um, didn't our kids do a great job this morning? And so we give a great big God bless you to our kids. Would you give our kids a great big God bless you and let them know how much you appreciate them? So Miss Tiffany looked at me as Pastor Doug and Connie was singing and said, we should be them when we grow up. (laughs) And I said, we certainly should be. <laughs> I just don't know if I can grow that stash like he can, you know. So, <laughs> so didn't they do a great job today? And Pastor Sean and your worship team, a wonderful job. We bless you. Wonderful stage design. We honor you, Pastor Sean. Wonderful job. Are you ready for the word today? And... Uh, Would you give your undivided attention just for a few moments as I bring to you the Word of God? Would you do that? And everybody say, I'll do that. So if you'll just take a few moments as we uh, open our hearts to hear what God would have to say to each and every one of us. And uh, let's pay attention and give our undivided attention to the Word. It's so easily to be uh, distracted. But let's put all the distractions aside and let's give our undivided attention for a few moments as I preach the last sermon series on the sermon series called The Road to Easter. And we're looking at the Easter story today. Lord, add the blessing to the preaching of your word. Open our ears and our hearts that we would receive it. And all the church shouted a great big amen. A few years ago, there was an enthusiastic Sunday school teacher who looked at a classroom of four-year-olds and asked the question, does anybody know what today is? A little girl waved her hand. I know, I know. Today is Palm Sunday. That's fantastic, the teacher replied. Does anyone else know what next Sunday is? The same little girl held up her hand and waved and said, teacher, teacher, I know. Next Sunday is Easter. Again, the teacher replied, that's great. Then the teacher asked one final question. Does anyone know what makes Easter special? What makes Sunday Easter? The little same little girl raised her hand enthusiastically, said, yes, I know. Next Sunday is Easter because Jesus rose from the dead. And before the teacher could congratulate her, the little girl added, and if he sees his shadow, he will go back in for seven more weeks. Now, I want to be clear that there is no confusion today. I want to clearly define to you what Easter is. Easter is not about colored eggs, baskets, bunny rabbits, new clothes, or an extra day to sleep in. Rather, Easter is about a Jewish man 
by a name, by the name of Jesus the Christ, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, died on a Roman cross, and was buried in a borrowed tomb. And on the third day, he rose again according to the Scriptures. That, my friends, is Easter. Today is not a sad day. Today is a happy day. Make no mistake about it. Jesus is alive. It is Easter. It is Resurrection Day. We join in with the billions of Christians around the world. And we are making news. As I said last week, I got dressed today in front of Fox News. The news reporter said, as they have said every year, today, and I quote, 2.2 billion believers are celebrating a Nazarene man who they declare is Lord and Savior. As they made that proclamation, I tied my tide and said, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for preaching the gospel on the airwaves this morning. It's Easter. He has defeated the grave. He has conquered death, hell, and the grave. He has broken the power of sin. He has bruised the head of the serpent. He has crushed the head of shame and guilt. He has triumphed over sin and the devil. As a matter of fact, he has beaten the devil up with two bloody sticks. Jesus is worthy of praise. He's worthy of a clap. He's worthy of a shout. He has conquered the grave. And you and I sat in this church this morning redeemed and justified because of the great price that He has paid. The Scripture records to us this morning in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 18, and I quote, Jesus said, I am He who lives. I was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of Hades and death. You see, my friends, Christians proclaim that Jesus is alive. But everything we believe this morning hinges on the fact that Jesus is alive. If Jesus is not alive, then my friends, listen to this preacher this morning. Jesus cannot be trusted. And if Jesus can't be trusted about one thing, then Jesus can't be trusted about the other things that He has proclaimed about Himself. If Easter is not true, and Jesus did not keep His Word, He said, and I quote, You destroy this temple, and in three days I will resurrect it again. Speaking of His body. If Jesus never kept His Word about His resurrection, then we cannot trust the everything else that Jesus has proclaimed. I propose to you today, my friends, Jesus is either Lord or He is a liar. But Jesus cannot be both. He is either Lord or He is liar. But Jesus cannot be both. If Jesus lied about His resurrection, then the promise of salvation is not true. 
If Jesus lied about his resurrection, then the promise of forgiveness is not true. The promise of healing is not true. The promise of heaven is not true. The promise of life after death is a delusional, is a delusional proclamation that has manipulated the hearts of millions for centuries. It cannot be trusted. If Jesus lied about his resurrection, then we cannot believe anything else that he had proclaimed or declared. If Christ lied about his resurrection, then the hope of the world to come is simply a delusion. If Christ lied about his resurrection, then your loved ones who you think are with the Lord are not with the Lord. They are forever entombed six feet beneath the ground with no hope of escape if Jesus lied about his resurrection. If Christ lied about his resurrection, then all of us have been deceived and we have been manipulated to believe a story that is not true. If he lied about one thing, then we cannot trust anything else that he said. My friends, why is there so much song and dance about today? Why does Easter really matter? Does it really matter if Jesus told the truth or not? Does it matter if Jesus lied a little? What is the big deal about it? So what if there is no resurrection from the dead? What's the big deal about it? Oh, I could preach on and on about the principles of the resurrection, but for the sake of time, I just want to propose a thought to you. It's recorded in the actual pages of history outside of the document of the Bible, outside of the pages of the Scripture. It is documented that there was at least 12 disciples who died for Jesus, who suffered persecution for Jesus. It is documented. So if that is true, if there is documentation to prove that the early Christians, namely the disciples, suffered severe persecution, martyrdom, and death, if that is true, then why did they suffer such a persecution? Why did they die for Jesus if Jesus lied about his resurrection? If Jesus lied about his resurrection, then why in the world with those 12 disciples and other Christians, why would they suffer such martyrdom, crucifixion, death, and persecution, and torture, and agony over a lie? Why would they? I want to, in the pages of history, it tells us that Peter was crucified upside down. St. Matthew was killed by the sword. James was thrown down from the pinnacle of the temple and then beaten to death. Philip was dragged in the streets and then hung. Bartholomew was skinned alive. Andrew was bound to the cross. Jude was shot to death by an arrow. Matthew was stoned to death and also beheaded. Mark was drugged through the city until he died. Let me ask you a question, my friends. If this is true, which is recorded, it's recorded in the pages of history that these disciples suffered 
such persecution, then let me propose a question to you. Why would they have done this for a lie? Why would you die for a lie? Why would these disciples suffer such persecution for a dead man? Let me just say this. A dead corpse don't inspire nobody. A dead corpse doesn't inspire anybody. It doesn't inspire anybody. A dead man doesn't inspire anybody. Why would these people die? Do you know why they died for Jesus? Do you know why they were hung upside down and thrown to the lion's den? Why was these disciples skinned alive? They didn't do it for a dead corpse. They didn't do it for a lie. They saw the risen Jesus. And they had an encounter with Jesus. And they knew that Jesus was alive. The Bible says in the book of St. John that Peter ran to the tomb and he saw a linen cloth laying there. He saw with his own eyes that the dead body of Jesus had been resurrected. My friends, hear this preacher today. These disciples and plus other Christians, they suffered such persecution, such martyrdom, such agony, and they didn't do it over a lie. They didn't lay, their, they didn't lay down their life for a lie. They didn't suffer over a lie. You don't, you don't lay down your life over a dead man and a dead corpse. These disciples had an encounter with Jesus. They saw that Jesus was alive and well. Listen, a dead corpse will not inspire a doubting Thomas. A dead corpse will not inspire a struggling church. A dead corpse doesn't inspire anybody to give their life for Jesus. A dead corpse don't send anybody to a lion's den. Peter is the prime example. Peter, a man who said, I'll follow you to your death. But we know that Peter wasn't a man of his word. Peter was a coward. Peter said one thing and didn't do it. Peter denied the Lord three times. You get the picture. Peter is a prime example of something happening in his life. I want you to notice what Peter said after the resurrection. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 32, G, uh, Peter said this. Peter said that this Jesus that God raised up, of all which we are all witnesses of. He said we're all witnesses to the fact that Jesus was raised up. The Bible says in Acts chapter 3, verse 15, and I quote, this is Peter's words, preaching on the day of Pentecost. And I quote, but you, speaking of the religious leaders, denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. You killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. Peter said, I'm a witness to the fact that Jesus is alive. I'm a witness to the fact that Jesus is resurrected. I'm a witness to the fact that he is no longer a dead corpse, but an alive man. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse number 36, this is Peter again. And he said, and I quote, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. 
Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men of brethren, what should we do? Then Peter said to them, repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You see, Peter said, you crucified him, but God has raised him up and made him Lord in Christ. I want you to notice something. Peter, a coward. Peter, a fearful man. Peter, the person who denied Jesus, all of a sudden stands up and begins to preach to a bunch of religious leaders and say to the religious leaders, you are the one that released Barabbas and you crucified the Prince of Life, but God has raised him from the dead and we are witnesses to the fact that Jesus... Woo, I'm about to shout up in this church this morning. I'm a witness to the fact that he is alive. Do you know what would make a man turn around and be a bold preacher? He went from a coward to a bold preacher because he saw the risen Savior. Do you know what will cause a man to turn around on a bar, bar stool and drop a fifth of liquor? Is when he sees the risen Savior. He turned around. And said, I've seen the Lord. I had a resurrect and I know he's alive. Peter and the rest of the apostles said it like this. Acts 4 verse 33. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. What did they do? All of the apostles said, and they were witnesses to the resurrection. They preached the resurrection. Acts chapter 4 verse 20. Look at what he said. Acts 4 verse 20. He said, For we cannot but speak of the things which we have seen and heard. Do you see what Peter's saying? Peter's like, you're trying to shut me up. You, you tried to shut me up. I'm not the same Peter I was a few chapters ago. I'm not the same person I was. I used to be a coward. I used to hide behind closed doors. I used to deny the Lord. But I have seen the empty tomb. And I'm a witness to the fact that he is alive and well. I'm telling you that's what happens. A man. A man who is a coward. Is now a Pentecostal preacher. The message of the resurrection will disturb and upset you. The message of the resurrection will disturb the uncomfortable and disturb the comfortable. You see, they wasn't happy. The religious leaders wasn't happy that Jesus is risen from the dead. Acts chapter 4, verse number 1. Look at the Scripture. Now as they spoke to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed. See this? They were what? Greatly disturbed. That they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And they laid hands on Him and put Him in custody to the next day. For it was already evening. 
However, many of those who heard the word believed the number of men came to be about 5,000. You see, they preached the resurrection. These early disciples preached it. But those religious leaders, some of the people rejected it. Now, let me ask you a question. Why would they reject it? They rejected Jesus because Jesus made them uncomfortable. Jesus threatened their religious system. Jesus threatened their way of life. Jesus threatened their, their words and their deeds. Jesus socialized with people they disapproved of. Jesus disturbed their political system. And so therefore, they didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus. And if these people believed in Jesus, these religious leaders thought they'll probably start a revolt and come against us. So we got to keep them all quiet because it's ridiculous that they would believe in Jesus. He was crucified. Now, let me remind you that in the Roman Empire, right after the resurrection, between the first and third century, Christians were persecuted severely and they were mocked. People mocked them. Do you know why they mocked them? They mocked them and said, they mocked Christians and said, it's ridiculous that you would believe in somebody who died on a cross. It's equivalent to us saying, let's worship a man who was hung from a noose. It's ridiculous to say. And the Roman Empire persecuted Christians because they worshiped a crucified man. Between the first and third centuries, archaeologists found this picture. The picture's behind me. This picture was found between the first and third century. If you'll notice on the one side of the picture, this side, that was, uh, that was engraved in stone, this is between the first and third century and is proven to be authentic. This is a description, they do believe, of the Roman Empire and those in the Roman Empire mocking the Christians. And one of the ways that they mocked Christians was that they put a head on Jesus who was on the cross and it looks like a donkey. They referred to it as an ass. They referred to Jesus as an ass. They wanted to, they wanted to humiliate the Christians. And they put somebody there at the foot of the cross as if he is mocking and worshiping this Jesus with a donkey's head. This was mockery. This was blaspheming. Do you know why they did this? They did this because they thought it was ridiculous that anybody would worship a man that was crucified and said he's risen from the dead. Now, on the other side is a, this is a picture of modern day. It looks like a child's handwriting, but they just outlined it in modern day writing. And so you'll see what it looks like. Now, you skip the picture. They thought that these Christians was ridiculous to worship a crucified man, and then to believe that this man would be raised from the dead. But this is what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, and I quote, this is what the Paul said, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Hallelujah. I feel my help coming up in this place. Is there anybody in the building that can wave your hand and thank the Lord this morning? I'm telling you today that you can mock the resurrection all you want. 
And you can say that it never happened. And you can mock the resurrection and the crucifixion and say that it's ridiculous. But there is approximately 2.3 billion of us lifting our hands today declaring that we are saved and redeemed. And we have been brought up out of the miry clay. And all of us are witnesses to the fact that Jesus is alive and well. Oh, somebody better help me preach up in this place today. I'm telling you today, the resurrection gives us hope. Our sins are forgiven. The the promise of salvation is real. Jesus, make no mistake about it, he did not lie about his resurrection. And those disciples did not die over a dead corpse. The reason they suffered martyrdom and torture and agony is because they saw the risen Savior and they were a witness of it and they preached it with power and they were convinced that he is alive. And Jesus, hallelujah, looked to the apostle Thomas and said, blessed are those who have never seen but they still believe. Is there anybody in the building that said, I've never seen his nail prints hands. I've never seen the empty tomb. But I still believe that he's risen with healing in his hands. Is there anybody that can wave your hand and bless the Lord? Blessed is he that's never seen, but he that believes. If Jesus never lied about it, and they suffered because they knew it was true, then it must be true. The resurrection gives us hope. The promise of salvation is real. Our worship is not in vain. Our suffering is not in vain. Our worship this morning is not in vain. If Jesus told the truth, which He did, then that means everything I do for Him isn't a waste. Because if Jesus kept His word, And that means he probably has kept his word about everything else that he said. I said, if if you believe that Jesus kept his word about raising from the dead, then it's possible that everything else he said was true too. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 19, the Apostle Paul quoted, For in this life only we have hope in Christ. We are all, oh, most men, most miserable. If all I have is hope in this world, I'm miserable. But now Christ is risen from the dead. And He has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Hallelujah. You see, when Mary and Mag- were Mary Magdalene and Mary, when they ran to the tomb that early Easter morning, the birds began to sing. Mary Magdalene and Mary put on their overcoat, went to an empty tomb, and as they walked, they said to one another, who is going to roll the stone away for us? Because Brother Jimmy, they didn't think he would keep his word because they were looking for someone to roll away the stone. They did not think Jesus would keep his word. But can I tell you something? Those women brought spices, just like you would bring flowers to a funeral. 
they brought spices for the last act, for the last act of devotion to rub his body down with incense, to rub his body down with perfume, their act of devotion, their last act of devotion. Then they were going to go home and return to their former life. But what those women failed to realize is that they brought, they were bringing, they thought that what they were bringing was closure. But when they got there, they got a commencement service. Because I want to let you know the things that you think are dead are not dead. It's only sleeping in the presence of God. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you something. Can I tell you something? Jesus did not need the stone to be rolled away. He has all power in his hands. Why does Jesus need the stone to be rolled away? Do you know why I believe the angels rolled the stone away? Not for Jesus. But the angel rolled the stone away so that the women can peek in and be a witness that it's really true. Hallelujah. Is there anybody witnesses today that you can peek in the empty tomb and you're a witness today? Hallelujah. Resurrection means today that the worst thing is never the last thing. Means the worst thing is never the last thing. You see, on Friday they wept at his tomb, at the crucifixion. They wept at his tomb. On Saturday they waited, but Sunday they worshiped. Because that's the progression of life. You weep on Friday, you wait on Saturday, but you worship on Sunday. Can I hear somebody say amen? I wish somebody just say amen. You, you weep, and after you weep, you got to wait. Then you worship. Sometimes you got to wait when it's still dark on Saturday. Weeping may endure for the night. But joy comes in the morning. Morgan Harper and Nicholas said it like this, and I quote, there's a reason why the sky gets dark at night. We were not meant to see everything all the time. We're meant to rest and trust even in the darkness. Sometimes when Friday and you're weeping and you're waiting on Saturday, it's dark. Just trust. Can I just tell you something? The women came early, Matthew 28, early, while it was still dark, they came to the tomb. Do you know what that tells me? Things begin to change at the dawning of a new day. God still works at the night shift. God still works when it's dark. Why is Easter a big deal? And we'll close with this thought. Now, hold on with me. I never saw this before, but it brought such peace to me. Easter's a big deal because, number one, first and foremost, it's a big deal because Jesus is suffering. His passion, his death, his resurrection paid for your sins. And in the scriptures in the Old Testament, there's many different words for sin. Primarily, there's two. The first word is called transgression. The word transgression 
speaks of outward behavior or actions. The second word is iniquity. Iniquity deals with the inward attitude and inward motives. When Jesus died on the cross, Isaiah 53 and verse number 4. This is a prophecy speaking of Jesus' death. Isaiah 53 verse number 4. Listen to the words of the writer, prophet Isaiah. Surely He has borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him smitten and smitten, stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our what? And the chastisement for our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes we were healed. The word healed means whole. You know what the writer is saying? Jesus' death is going to cleanse you from every action that you did wrong, but it don't stop there. Jesus' death is also going to clean everything on the inside that nobody knows about. Every dirty motive, every dirty thought, every dirty... He cleanses me, not only on the outside, but He cleanses me on the inside. And for that, my friends, Easter's a good day. He was wounded. Cleanses me from everything on the inside. He cleanses me on everything on the outside. Isaiah 43, verse 25 the writer said it very clearly. I, even I, I will blot out your transgressions for my own sake and I will remember your sins no more. Hallelujah. I'm going to blot them out. I'm going to remove them as far as the east is from the west. If that's not enough, the writer of Hebrews chapter 8 verse 12 said it like this. The writer of Hebrews said, For I will be merciful to the unrighteous and to their sins and their lawless deeds, and I will remember them no more. I know we all like to get up in church and say, I thank God that God delivered me from so and so and God delivered me from this. Baby, that ain't your true testimony. Your true testimony is what you did in the 1957 Chevy that nobody knows about to this day. But aren't you glad that the blood of Jesus still cleanses you from everything that you did? and everything that nobody else knows about. Uh, come on, somebody. It cleanses you from every action. It cleanses you from every attitude. It cleanses you from every motive. It picks you up out of the miry clay and it puts your feet on a rock to stay. The resurrected power of Jesus resurrects me from the ashes of sin and guilt. Now, I was praying and I said, Lord... I was praying yesterday. I said, Lord, I'm going to, this is what I said to the Lord, I'm going to preach about your resurrection. And I'm asking you, Lord, what do you want me to tell your people? In all my years of ministry, this is the first time it's happened to me that I had a specific word for a holiday. It's the same story. I can only preach it so many times. And the Lord said these words to me. And I'll explain what I mean. I'm almost done. Tell them that just because they have been risen 
doesn't mean they don't have scars. Oh, I said, Lord, what do, you, what do you mean by that? When Jesus was resurrected from the grave, what did he tell doubting Thomas? Put your hands where? In my side? Put your hands in my hands? And what did he want him to know? I want you to look at my scars. I want you to see the wounds that I have. Is that correct? And you know the Easter story is a type of salvation. You are brought out of sin. You are brought out of the tomb. You're brought out of sin. And what does he do? He raises you to new life. That's salvation. And because Jesus was raised to new life, you and I should be raised to new life in him, which is salvation. And Jesus wants me to tell you today that just because you are saved and just because you're risen to new life doesn't mean you don't have scars in your life. And you know what the scars are? The scars is evidence that it didn't kill you. The scars is an evidence that you came through. The scars is evidence that I may be down, but honey, I'm not out. The scars is I'm here to testify that he raised me from a deathbed. I have the scars to prove it and I've come to let him know that he's worthy to be praised am I talking to anybody up in this church today Woo! I may have the scars of abuse but I'm risen and I'm still here I may have the scars of alcoholism, but I'm risen and I'm still set free. I may have the scars of sickness and disease, but I'm risen and I'm still here to give him glory. I may have the scars of addiction, but I'm risen and I'm delivered. I may have the scars of doubt, but I'm risen and I still believe. I may have the scars of poverty, but I'm risen and the Lord provides. I may have the scars of divorce, but I'm risen and the Lord has brought me through. I may have the scars of depression but I'm risen and I have my right mind. Am I talking to anybody up in this church? Is there anybody that has a testimony this morning? Is there anybody that has a testimony that you can testify I'm redeemed, I'm set free, I'm healed, I'm delivered, I've been brought out. Can somebody stand to your feet and give God praise and give God glory that he can bring you out today Oh, come on, give God glory today. Come on, give God glory today. Come on, give God glory today. Hallelujah. He was bruised and brought my healing. He was pierced and eased my pain. He was persecuted and brought my freedom. He was dead and brought me life. He is risen and brings me power. He reigns and brings me peace. The world can't understand him. The armies can't defeat him. The schools can't explain him. Herod can't explain him. The Pharisees tried to kill him. Nero tried to crush him. Hitler tried to silence him. The new age has tried to replace him. Oh, Oh, but I've come to let you know that even Oprah can't shut him up. He is alive and well. He reigns this morning. He has conquered death, hell, and the grave. Come on, somebody give him a praise break. Woo! 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 Yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah. 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 
Now I want you to praise him. I want all the rest of you to notify your hands and praise the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Notify the Lord. Hallelujah. Blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. Hallelujah. He lives. And because he lives, you can live today too.